Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Everything to God by prayer and supplication. Don't be anxious for anything. Just pray and the peace of heaven will overtake your life and you'll be fine. But if you look at the world today, there are so many Christians that don't have that peace, that have heard that scripture, that have taken the prescription, but they're not doing anything with it. And so I think what we need to do is probably step down a level and contextualize that a little bit better in what does that look like in the context of connection and relationship, right? And so I think we can all agree that the world we live in today kind of celebrates and promotes this idea of individualism, right? That it kind of worships and upholds this idea of me, myself, and I. And so when we come out of that into a place of encountering Christ, and we give our lives over to Him, we surrender our life to Him, what we experience often is this shift, right? Because it's no longer about us being the center of our world, but now it's about us being a part of something much greater, right? It's, it's no longer just about the one, it's about the many, amen? And so really for us today, as we carry Christ in us, what we're really doing is we're carrying Jesus' heart and His mandate, which is for people, that people would come from being lost to a place of being saved through the work that was carried out and completed on the cross, amen? And I think we can all agree that when someone truly encounters Jesus and they experience his presence and they experience the power that he has and they experience his unconditional love, that they cannot help but be changed and transformed in life. And so really, as Jesus says to his disciples 2,000 years ago, he says this to us today. Matthew 20 and 18, it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So before anything else, here is the deal and here is the truth. You and I have been called. You and I have a purpose in life. You and I actually have a mission to take what we have received by grace and to go back out into our homes and into our families and into our workplaces, into those circles of influence, and we have to let people see Jesus. That is what we need to do. And our hope and prayer by faith is that as we do that, we believe that people will come to know him as you and I do, right? But this is where it gets tricky because the problem is that this mission given by one God has been predetermined to be fulfilled by the many. And only by the many is it fulfilled. And so what I'm saying is this. Jesus didn't single out or pull aside one disciple in giving his great commission, right? He didn't say to the guys, well, thank you very much. This is it. Three years is up. You've journeyed with me well. We've laughed. We've cried. Thank you, go back to doing what you're doing. But Peter, if you could just stick back for a moment, that would be great. I have something I'd like you to do for me before I go. Thank you very much. No, in the context of connection and relationship, he commissions his 12, guys, I want you to go forth. And in fact, it has always been and will always be since time began that God has dwelt in this context of connection and relationship, right? And so... John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. So God is a relational God. He's a God that exists in this unity with himself and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And so he reacts and he responds to us through this context of relationship and connection. And he desires to have a relationship with you and I, and he desires that you and I would relate to others in fellowship and in service, right? In fact, we know this, that the church itself was birthed in this atmosphere of connection 
and relationship. If you read the book of Acts, there we read of the disciples who are waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They've been commissioned with the Great Commission, and now they're waiting in Jerusalem. And if we read in the day of Pentecost, we know that the Holy Spirit comes like a fire, baptizes the disciples. All of a sudden, Peter, who if you do a bit of character study, is actually quite a shy and reserved person by nature, is filled with this boldness and the courage, and he stands up, and he begins to speak a sermon to thousands about a Jesus they had crucified, yet who God had now raised to life, amen? And as a result, what we find is that thousands of people hear that phenomenal sermon. They're convicted, they repent, they're baptized, and they give their lives to Christ. And I want to just really recap on that story as we flow through this. In Acts 2.40, it says this, And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church uh, daily those who were being saved. I want to say something this morning. Peace is found in the context of connection and relationship as we do life together. I cannot sell you on the idea of peace in isolation because it's not where you find it. And so this is a beautiful picture in the context of relationship and connection. People doing life together, people are being saved. In this context of relationship and connection, we see this health and this momentum and this growth in people as they come together, as they look to share a meal, as they come together to look how we can meet each other's need, as we come together and look at how we can pray together and worship together and really just do life together, what's happening is God is beginning to add to the church. What he's beginning to do is fulfill the great commission that was given by his son Jesus, amen? And so this is church and this is the body of Christ that we talk about all the time. It's a bunch of people getting together in, with a common purpose in unity, changing the world, one life at a time. Now, I want to ease the burden for you this morning of being a world changer, because often we hear this message, and we kind of flip out, and we lose our peace, and we go, it just seems too much for me to achieve. How can I genuinely contribute to the call on my life when, A, I may not be a preacher, I may not be an evangelist, you know, I might not be that eloquent in speech. In fact, I just get nervous talking to myself in front of the mirror, never mind speaking to someone in the grocery store, or over the fence, right? But the truth is this. God has actually given you everything you need in your life right now to fulfill the call He has on your life. God has given you everything you need. In fact, the only thing you really need to walk in unity, to walk in peace, to contribute to the bigger picture that God has for you are two things. One is the Holy Spirit, and the other is a relationship with someone else, a connection with other people. And I want to say this. If you would keep Jesus central in your life, if you would make a decision, and that's what it is, it's a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to put a value on the Word of God, and I'm going to let that Word get on the inside of me, then what the Bible says is that it will guard your heart, it will complete you, it will begin to develop in you a supernatural peace that surpasses all human understanding, and it will equip you to do the work God has called you to do. Amen? 
if you would keep Jesus central, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for connection, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I say that because, you know, it's no good us having dysfunctional pieces trying to commit to the whole. It's no good us as a body of believers trying to represent Christ if individual members are not equipped to do so, right? So getting the Word of God in you and through you, standing on it, doing life alongside of it, means that what we are doing is we're beginning to shift the dynamic in our world where now all of a sudden we're standing on what God is telling us about ourselves and our future, and it's equipping us and sustaining us and stabilizing us through the ups and downs to fulfill what He wants us to do. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of you, I want you to catch hold of this. Here's Jesus saying to his disciples, guys, I've given you a call. I've given you a mission, right? But I want you to stay. I want you to wait in Jerusalem before you go out into the world with this message of hope on the inside of you. I want you to wait. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. Why? Because I want to know that when you go out into all the world with this message of hope that you carry the living Spirit of God on the inside of you. The reason we need that is because it is the Holy Spirit, right, that is going to bring the conviction the world needs to turn back in repentance and respond to Jesus in salvation. I want to say that again because it's key. It is the Holy Spirit that is going to bring a conviction into the world that it needs, that's going to bring a cry, that's going to raise a call, that's going to bring a voice from heaven that the world cannot ignore, but on hearing it have to turn and repent and come back to Christ in salvation. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it is through this power that rests on your life by the Holy Spirit that we are able to bear witness to, of Jesus to people in our world, right? You see, Peter standing up in power on the day of Pentecost, speaking the sermon, wasn't because he thought, flip, in the moment, I've got all these faces looking at me, it's the right thing to do, I better say something. No, remember, he was the shy and reserved disciple. It was as the Holy Spirit came upon him and equipped him, he was emboldened with the power to stand up and speak a word that was anointed with conviction that called people to turn and repent. Amen? God reaching out, touching people as they respond in repentance out of a conviction the Holy Spirit has brought as they place themselves in this context of connection and relationship. So this is your responsibility. This was on my heart as I was seeking this out. First and foremost, this is it. Your responsibility is not to try and change people. Your mission is not to try and convict the world of your sin. Your calling in life is simply this, to love people in the context of connection and relationship. And as you love people and accept people, what you do is you allow the Holy Spirit in and through you to bring a conviction people need to respond to Jesus. Amen. I don't want to say that again because I'm going to go somewhere with this. Your responsibility is not to try and change people. Your mission is not to try and convict the world of what they're doing that is wrong. Your job and my job and our calling is to love people as Christ did. And in that context of connection and relationship, as we love and accept others, what we will find is the Holy Spirit working in and through us brings a conviction into people's world that causes them to turn and respond to Jesus. Amen. And so the problem is this, we have too many Christians trying to do 
what only the Holy Spirit can do in convicting the world of its sin, right? We as the body of Christ need to step up and start doing what God has called us to do and not worry about what he hasn't asked us to do. Because we wonder why we have a generation of people that are pushing the church aside, labeling, labeling us as irrelevant and full of judgment, right? And so Romans, uh, well, the second thing, let me say this as we go through. The second thing that we need to fulfill the Great Commission, to walk in peace, to be whole and complete, is that we need not only the Holy Spirit, but we need that relationship and connection with other people in the body of Christ. Because relationship or connection is really the conduit through which the Holy Spirit of God flows. And so if you stand back and you look at that from a big picture perspective, what you're looking at is us as a church. You're looking at the body of Christ. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, to the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Why is it so important that we as individuals in the body of Christ have life together in the sense that we walk with Christ in peace? It's for this, because we are called as believers to represent Christ as a body in this world. But more than just representation, more than representation, what I believe we are called to do is to turn this world upside down, inside out, shake it around unapologetically with that expression of love that Jesus Christ has had for us. Amen? That we as a body of Christ are called to relate and connect and do life with one another in the same power and authority that Christ had when he ministered to people. That we as a body of Christ are called to see in this context people set free and people delivered and people restored and people receiving hope that we actually as a body of Christ have a voice that we in this generation actually need to be counted we've got to stand up and say we're not going to be quiet because we have an answer and his name is Jesus and we're not scared to declare the name of Jesus amen and so the platform that we have to introduce the world to Jesus is relationship right so if I'm going to come alongside Jordan, for example, and I'm going to intentionally begin to build relationship with him. What I am doing is I'm building a platform to which the Holy Spirit can begin to move in and through me to touch and transform Jordan's life. And the thing is, I don't have to be that weird, crazy, super spirit Christian that keeps prophesying and shouting scriptures at Jordan every time I meet him. But as I live my life in the context with the Holy Spirit inside of me, in the context of relationship with Jordan, what I am choosing to do is purposely position myself in such a way that God can use me to touch Jordan's life. That God, because Jordan might have need in this world, man. He might be struggling at work. You know, the wife's giving him a hard time. He's, he's, you know, he's struggling. Whatever it is, I know, I know that he needs God. I know that he needs the Holy Spirit. And I know that with one encounter, no matter what it is that he's facing, one encounter with God can change everything in Jordan's life. And so we talk about being whole, we talk about being in Him, we talk about having a peace in our world. Why? Because guess what? Does God need me to touch Jordan's life? You know, the truth is He doesn't. But the reality is He chooses to use me. God wants to use people. He chooses you and I. And sometimes that's been such a point of frustration for me. God, take us out of the equation and just by your super divine authority, make it happen. But God doesn't do that. He chooses lives 
to change lives. Why? Because when people look at that, they get a context of God in this atmosphere of relationship, that God is a relational God, that He wants us to respond to Him in relationship, that He wants to know us, and He wants us to know Him intimately. Amen? And so I've got to get purposeful about building relationship. I've got to get intentional about connection, right? Because I understand connection is the conduit through which the Holy Spirit's going to move. And so no longer am I just praying for Jordan, because that's a good idea, right? But I'm also choosing to build relationship alongside him, because I know that as I do that, and that as I allow the pieces of our puzzle to connect, all of a sudden, at some point, God is going to do something in Jordan's life. The Holy Spirit is going to move at some point. As I stay in relationship, God is going to move. And as Jordan responds and is equipped and filled with the Spirit of God, he's empowered to then reach out and connect with someone else. And so as he allows his pieces of the puzzle to connect with someone else's, all of a sudden we see a bigger picture beginning to form. All of a sudden God is able to do something dynamic as he responds and moves to people that are coming together, that are whole, that are healthy, that are walking in this context of peace, that are not put off by the ups and downs of life, but all of a sudden everyone is starting to form this bond, form this connection. The body is working as it should, everyone doing their part. Amen? And so Ephesians 4.14 says this, that we should no longer, as children, be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speak truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, the edifying of itself in love. If we want to walk in peace as a people in our lives and as a church, we've got to understand it in the context of walking together within the body of Christ. Because here's the thing, the greatest danger, right, of individualism is not that it just focuses on me, but it's that it wants to draw me into a place of being alone, of being in isolation, right? The enemy works very hard at making individualism look attractive, look desirable, right? Individualism says to us, regardless of what you're going through in life, I want you to go it alone. You can do this. You can fly solo. You can take hold of your life and on your own merit and by your own strength, you can make something of your life go for it. You don't need anybody else. You've got it. Do it. I mean, who, who, for example, loves James Bond? Who loves James Bond? I love James Bond. Casino Royale is probably one of my favorite ones. You know, here's the suave and sophisticated yet deadly agent, right, that no matter what situations throw at him, he's just always one step ahead of the game. He's got all these amazing fancy tools at his disposal. He's so amazingly attractive that the women just can't keep themselves off him kind of thing. And just no matter what, what the world's throwing at him, he just ends up on top, right? He's just always coming out on, on top. Now, who would want to be that person? I mean, that's awesome. But this is the thing. This is what happens, though. The problem with this kind of life is, though, while you may have life altogether now, while it's going good now, while you're living life to the back of your own merits and successes, through the seasons and over time, whether you like to think of it or not, it leaves you open, going life alone, to vulnerabilities. It leaves your life open to attack. It leaves your life open to be taken on the ups and downs of life where you constantly feel anxious, full of fear, full of stress, because there will be, let me just put that disclaimer in there, there will be seasons and moments in your life that will test you, that will drag you over coals, that will put pressure on you, 
And so I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. God didn't pull this idea of unity. God didn't pull this idea of the body of Christ out of thin air. He wasn't bored one day and said, you know what, this group of people, let's kind of just put them together and we'll call it church. God understands this, that there is something spiritually significant about people coming together in relationship with one another in common purpose, amen. God understands that there is protection, there is restoration, there is, there is a peace, there is a strength that comes in the cords of connection and relationship. God understands that when we agree to walk alongside people through the good and the bad, it's in that place God commands blessing, amen. And so this idea of being part of the greater whole is not just an idea that we entertain in our brain, but it's a form of being God has called us to walk through and walk in because he understands in that place there's success for us, in that place there's blessing, in that place there's favor, and in that place there's peace, amen. And so the Bible tells us that in isolation we can begin to rage against sound wisdom. In isolation we come away from the covering and the voice of the Holy Spirit and it's more than just going it alone. It's about disconnecting yourself from the head, which brings life into your body. It's about disconnecting yourself from the only thing that is going to bring stability into your world. And the enemy understands that. And I want you to get that, that the enemy understands this. And he will constantly try to break unity. He will constantly try to get you out of a place of being with the many. Because in that place you are vulnerable. In that place, you are open to attack. In that place, you become disillusioned and a bit confused about, well, where's life going? In that place, you're more susceptible to temptation. Amen? I'm starting to sound like a nine-year-old woman that's been on cigarettes, so just give me a second while I uh, just have a drink. Mm. So, I want to I paint a picture of what that looks like for you and I. Over time that I've spent growing up in Africa, right? I've had opportunity on occasion to watch how buffalo hunt lion. And in Africa, these two animals have an old reputation of being uh, mortal enemies. They're both formidable in size and strength, and they've often caused a lot of damage to one another, right? So I guess over the years of embedded instinct, lions have learned certain strategies to hunt buffalo, to tip the scales of success in their favor. And the key strategy is this, don't ever try to take a buffalo on head on, right? It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. And they understand this. Buffalo instinctively know that whenever they sense danger, whenever they sense they're in a place where there's lions on the prowl, what they will automatically choose to do is form rank. They come together. And so what happens is the male buffaloes come together, the bulls, shoulder to shoulder, and they encircle in the female buffalo and the young. And they know that as long as they keep formation, as they keep unity, as they keep with a common purpose, in that moment they're going to be okay. Because each male buffalo has horns this big, they weigh about a ton each. There's no ways looking at a wall like that that a lion's going to have any chance of getting in. Now the thing is, lions understand that. So over years what buffalo lack, lions have actually developed, and that is this idea of strategy. And so what they understand is this, which I think is quite amazing. They know that if they can break unity, if they can break formation, if they can bring confusion, all of a sudden the odds are going to go in their favor of having dinner. Amen? And so what they choose to do is this. They get a female lioness. She comes up the front of the herd and she begins to taunt the bulls. And the bulls by instinct want to protect and so they begin to chase after her. 
But while that's happening, you have three or four other lionesses come up around the back of the herd and spook them into running. Want to cause fear, cause confusion, break rank. Because they know if they can get the herd on the move, they can get the buffalo running every, every which way they can, and they're upset, and that they, it's no longer about unity, it's just about getting away from the danger. All of a sudden, now the game's about focusing on the one, focusing on the injured or the, the young. And the aim of the game now, once they've got people on the move and unity is broken, is to single out the one, to get one away from the herd, to move one away from the many, to bring one into isolation, because in isolation, the odds are you may not make it. Because in isolation now, the lionesses regroup and they take on the one. And the game then becomes about stamina. Who's going to outlast the attack? And statistically, it's usually the lion that outlasts the attack in that place, right? And I say that for this reason. You have to understand that your enemy has a strategy. Your enemy understands the power in unity. The enemy understands the strength of connection. And so he will continually look to within the body of Christ, isolate out those that are vulnerable, those that maybe are young in their faith, those maybe that are carrying hurts and insecurities, maybe spiritually they've been wounded, maybe they're a little bit disillusioned in life, maybe they're, they're just struggling with this whole idea of faith and God. James 1.14 says this, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, it gives birth, it brings forth death. The enemy will do whatever he can to get you alone. So maybe it's something somebody said, and now all of a sudden we've got our back up. Maybe we're carrying a bit of an offense. Maybe we're carrying disappointment. Maybe somebody within the body has let you down. Maybe someone in the body hasn't met an expectation. And so all of a sudden now, you're finding it easier to be away rather than being here. All of a sudden, peace has gone out the door, we're highly stressed, we're highly anxious, we're highly cynical, and we begin to struggle in life. And it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Maybe you're finding all of a sudden there's seasons in your life where things are just continually competing for your time. They're competing with God for your time and your energy and your attention. And you know that if you invest into them, that at some point you've got to give up this, right? But I want to encourage you this morning, church, whatever lies in front of you, Whatever it is that you choose to carry, whatever it is that you choose to carry, don't let it keep you from the connections and the relationships that God would have for you. I want to encourage you this morning, call it for what it is. Enemy, I'm not going to allow you to isolate me or keep me away from the place God has for me. And I may even be justified in what I think or what I see, but today by faith I choose to lay it down. I choose to forgive I choose to lay down disappointment. By faith, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to get on the inside of me and give me strength so that when I feel isolated and I'm facing temptation, I'm not going to allow the enemy to keep me away from where God needs me to be. In the congregation of the many. In the congregation of the many. And can I tell you this? Sometimes we need to do what is counterintuitive to what our circumstances and our situations and our feelings are telling us, right? Because in the face of danger... In the face of danger, right, when we face the enemy, those buffalo really should be getting out of there. They should be running. They should be getting as far away from the lions as they can. But they don't choose to do that. They choose to stand firm, come together in unity to face what is in front of them because they understand that their safety and the odds of them making it in this life are found in the many. Amen.
And so I want to tell someone here this morning this, running away from what you're facing in your life right now is not going to take it out of your life. And there's this time and there's this temptation and there's this season you're facing where whatever is in front of you is, is causing you to fear and it's causing you to be anxious and it's causing you to worry and it's causing you to want to run away. You want to push back, step back and just step back and cut ties with everything. But I feel like God's saying, now is not the season to do that. Now is the season to step in. Now is the season to stand and remain strong and push in. Why? Because it's in that context of connection and relationship God is going to bring you an answer and God is going to bring you breakthrough as you stand together, as you remain together. Amen. Hebrews 10, 23, and we're coming to a close. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, in those moments of danger, Buffalo need numbers to stay strong. In those moments of danger, Buffalo need to be unified to make it through. And I think for us to carry peace in our life and to carry peace in our world in the face of a culture that is ever cynical, ever individualistic, ever skeptical, We've got to actually find unity. And we've got to find unity in our purpose and our mission in life. And it is this to be Jesus Christ to the world. That we as a body of believers need to stay in relationship because we need to see lives changed and transformed as people come through the doors of C3 Noosa. Each one of us has a part to play in the mission God has called us to, amen. come to a close, I just want to say this, you know, so often we prescribe scripture for peace, so often we say your life's not good now and you're full of anxiety and you're full of pressures, most of the time when we wake up to that situation, we find ourselves in places of isolation, where we keep ourselves away from where God wants us to be, away from where God has called us to be, in those places we don't realize it's there that God, if we would just journey with Him, He says, I'll bring an answer. I'll bring restoration. I'll help you let go of things you need to let go of. You know, I wanted to bring this piece of the puzzle along because I thought, you know, in isolation apart from itself, while this little piece of the puzzle has a purpose and a mission on its own, it's not really fulfilled. It's not really fulfilled. In isolation, its ability to play its part in the body and do what it was designed to do is very limited. Amen. It is only when we take the pieces of the puzzle, bring them into connection on all four sides with other pieces, that it begins to do what God has created to do, that it begins to find purpose. And can I tell you in today's world, when you find purpose, God purpose, you'll begin to find peace in your world. When you go beyond your own struggles and frustrations and start doing what God has designed you to do in the context of connection and relationship, you will begin to find a peace that is supernatural come onto your world. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? You know, I just really have a sense in this place that people 
are frustrated, that people do have anxieties, that people do have fears about the future and about family and about their own lives. And maybe you're in a place where you're feeling, you know what, I feel isolated. I feel like I was started the journey so well and I was in that formation of unity with others and now all of a sudden I'm doing life alone and I feel like the enemy just has it out for me. That day in, day out, month in, month out, I'm just getting slaughtered. I'm getting an onslaught of the enemy. If it's not my family, it's my health. It's my future. It's my job. It's my finances. Whatever it is, the enemy's just taking advantage of the fact that I feel like I'm doing it alone. I want to go a step further and say, I feel like maybe it's people have carried disappointment in their life for too long. Maybe you were believing God for something and it just hasn't happened. You were so sure God was going to come through on something and it just hasn't delivered and it's fallen and now you carry this disappointment with God you don't know how to shake, you don't know how to walk away from. And maybe it's this conviction that God, I just, I just can't let go of this offense. I just can't let go of what someone has done to me because it's not right. But can I tell you, the enemy understands and he will do it as long as he can to use what you carry that you know you need to lay down to keep you out of the many, out of where God would want you to be. And so this morning as we come to a close, you know, I sense that God is in this place. God wants to do a work in your life and I believe that there are people here this morning that God in a moment of encounter can set free. If you would just be courageous enough to say, today's the day I draw a line in the sand and I want to let go and lay down anything that is keeping me out of the call God has for my life. That I want peace in my world. I want restoration back in my world. I don't want to be tossed to and fro by every circumstance that comes my way. I want to find this solid foundation on Jesus so I can just keep going. That is you this morning. I want to pray with you. I really believe that God wants to do a work in your life this morning to say, you know what, let's just lay it down. Doesn't matter how long you've carried things for. Doesn't matter how much you can justify it. I'm telling you now, if you would just lay down those mindsets, those mentalities, those struggles, God can do a new work in you and through you. Because He loves you. And He wants to bring restoration to you. So just while heads are closed, this morning, if that is you and you say, Justin, you know what, I need a fresh touch from heaven this morning. I need to find peace. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of anxiety. I'm tired of feeling fearful about what is. If that's you this morning, can I just ask, would you come up the front right now? And I, I want to pray with you. Come and stand on the altar and say, Justin, would you just pray with me? Today's the day. Right now is the opportunity. If that is you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to lay hands on you. There are people in this room I know that have been struggling for a long time. And today's a day that you can leave it at the altar, let God deal with it, and keep going. If that is you this morning, I want to pray with you right now. We're going to open up this altar. I'd love you to come down and say, Justin, would you just pray with me? Would you just pray with me this morning? The second thing I want to ask is this. Maybe you don't really know this Jesus that we're talking about, this Jesus, and you said, Justin, I don't know who he is, but I want to...
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.